back. Revolution Radio, live right here on the TruthNet Radio Network. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. We are broadcasting live from the Tampa Bay, Florida area, right here in the good old United States, home to police officers who eat pot brownies and overdose and call 911, and a country that taxes baseballs. Yeah, that's right. That's a good old United States. All right. Um, let me get to my guest. Um, I want to get this started as soon as possible here. Alan Watt joins me. He's an author and longtime researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development. Born in Scotland, he watched the uh, subdidy, uh, sub- subdities of uh, politics and media as they guided the population of the U.K. Convert- covertly into a European amalgamation. He has been uh, warning the North American people for some years now that the same process of al- Amalgamation is being carried out. With historical documentation, he shows how cultures are created and altered by those in control, always to lead the people like sheep into the next pasture. Mr. Watt has also been featured on numerous radio programs, including Coast to Coast AM and Alex Jones's show. His website is cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and Alan Watt joins us here tonight on Revolution Radio. I'm so psyched up for this. Alan, thanks for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Um, Alan, tell you, uh, tell us how you got involved in all of this and how you woke up to what's really going on. I, I noticed when I was very young uh, how bad the conditions in Britain were. And I noticed that the adults, when I was a small child, were all arguing about the same basic things, which were basic needs uh, for, for, for rent mainly and food and so on. I went into libraries to check on the histories and found that Great Britain, that uh, ruled a good part of the globe, uh, had uh, plundered most of the globe. I wondered where all the wealth went and how come most of the people were renting accommodation uh, across the whole of the United Kingdom. Uh, Most people rented local council housing that had been built uh, during World War II uh, as a promise to the people, if they, go, if they went to war, they'd actually get uh, low uh, rental housing for the first time. And um, I also realized that the economy was completely rigged because no matter where you went in Britain, you'd find the same starting wages for different tradesmen and apprenticeships and so on. Uh, and uh, you also had a fixed, uh, a really fixed salary, wage type of, of income and prices. That took tremendous rigging from the top to make it this way and that's when you realized how old this system was in fact that uh, you were not free at all you were born and, and you raised inside a fixed rigged economic system and your duty you'll find that from the old books on economics your duty as a citizen was to serve the system and obey the system basically exactly. and then when you went into the, the histories of the wars that Britain was involved in I don't think people realize that since the creation of the Bank of England, which was a, really a, a bank which ran on debts, where the people were put down, the citizens were put down as collateral to pay the debts, meaning each generation and generations unborn, that gave them limitless wars on which to draw from for the bank uh, and the guarantee that the future generations would pay off this debt in order that a, a small minority living in and around London would uh, reap the wealth of the globe. Uh, well, nothing's changed. In fact, we have a global elite, a big, massive club today. Uh, that are going full steam ahead 
uh, after writing their plans in the First World War and the Second World War with creation of the United Nations to unite the whole planet and then start culling off the, the excess population of useless eaters to gain a form of utopia, a utopia where they won't be worried so much about too many poor people who might one day revolt and overthrow them. Right, and, you know, it's become obvious lately that we're all becoming, um, you know, slaves to this system. We're, you know, we're slaves to debt and we're slaves to all kinds of different things, uh, you know, terror threats and all this other stuff. Um, now, when we talk about certain issues, and I know you've covered, you, you know, just a massive amount. You've done research into so many different aspects of what's going on, not only in America, but across the globe. Uh, but when we talk about certain issues, such as New World Order, Trilateral Commission, and we always refer to those who run it as they, um, this has always bothered me a little bit because I, I can't really pinpoint who they are. So based on your research, who are they when we refer to them as they? These are families that that rose to prominence in the Middle Ages uh, and uh, basically with the, the emergence of investments in capitalism, not so much the merchandising, although they owned, owned the merchandising routes and shipping and so on, they didn't do the actual work themselves, they employed others to do it for them. And you can find uh, the, even the, the, the black nobility, as they're called, the dark-haired ones of Venice, for instance, uh, massive uh, banking industry was developed there and uh, tremendous wealth lived there and they owned uh, the shipping routes of the, the old world and all the merchandising that went on back and forward from it. If you go back as far as the Knights Templars, even with the Crusades uh, they had to go there to Venice to ask these guys to to supply them with all the ships they needed to take them across in, into, uh, into the Middle East. So uh, these characters owned uh, merchandising, uh, shipping lanes, and uh, and the money and investment systems, basically. These yeah, it's absolutely. The, the it's abs of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's absolutely mind-numbing just how far it goes. I mean, just how far back into you know the world's history, all of these families, these bankers, these uh, you know these controllers of society go back. I mean, it just goes back generation through generation. And you know, I was listening to uh, an interview you did with Alex Jones. Um, I guess it was a couple months ago, and um, I was listening to it on MP3 download off your website, and he was talking about, uh, he, he was referring to the inbreeding that had been going on, um, you know, for centuries, and how, and we, we all know that, you know, anybody inbreeds in a family, it, it's going to lead to, you know, physical and, and mental, all kinds of physical and mental problems, and this is, you know, that has been going on, you know, especially in these royal families for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then breeding has gone on. The problem is, though, once in a while, the problem for the people, that is, uh, one is born uh, with, uh, who looks fairly normal and is often a tremendous tyrant, a pure, utter, power-mad psychopath, and he's raised in uh, tremendous wealth and status, uh, like a spoiled child, and he becomes a tyrant because, um, going back as far as the days of Plato, Plato talks about the difference of the aristocracy compared to the ordinary people whom he called the its the ordinary folk were called its you see yeah. and uh, by Plato so he said the aristocracy he said, the reason we are so wise and wonderful is that we are superior because of our specialized breeding they chose their, their wives uh, for their lineages of having uh, wealthy uh, successful people in the lineage so 
what we also talked about the ability to breed qualities out of humans and other qualities in and therefore for kings and queens and uh, the, the tycoons of business you want someone who's pretty sharp but you want someone who's also very ruthless and so you breed out those with higher emotions and you breed in you breed in the ability to be very cunning and and uh, and decisive exactly and you know they I heard you refer to them as, you know, they said that, the, you know, they were f referred to as it uh, because they were underlings. They weren't even considered people. They were considered, you know, things. And, uh, and I think that, you know, that's where all of this started with the, you know, the uh, downgrading, the, the marginalization of people uh, that aren't part of the royal family, that aren't part of the, the royal bloodlines. I mean, they're considered, they're not even considered people. And it still goes, it still goes on today, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the chattel, the chattel, yeah. and and there's no problems you see up until the average person today doesn't realize that it's only really since the 1700s, and even then in Europe, you were still considered to be a serf, really, by the ruling classes. A serf was just another British way of saying you're a slave in a nicer form. That's mm -hmm. all. You were bought and sold with the land uh, coming up through a feudal system. Right. So they gave a sham called democracy. Well, they, they, they got all the peasants out of the countryside and moved them into the cities, these slum cities that they created for industry, and, and gave you this uh, strange term that's very flexible. It's called democracy that keeps changing, yeah. <laughs> you know, direction. So, uh, yeah, it's an old, old trick. And uh, we know, for instance, that in the late 1800s, uh, the first major associations came to the to the front uh, on behalf of the feudal system, the royalty chartered systems like the Cecil Rhodes Foundation and the Lord Milner Group of the Round Table, uh, these, these joined and merged and became the Royal Institute for International Affairs with its sister branch in America called the Council on Foreign Relations. And the whole idea uh, of this group, and it is one group, was that this, uh, the elite of, of both countries, the U.S. and uh, Britain, would merge and rule the world into mm -hmm. a British-type empire. Um, the, they said that the, the democracy was just too slow with all of its arguing and debating and, and so many contrary points that it couldn't get anything done. So they needed a parallel government that would actually work and dictate to those in government, uh, to the ones who were elected. And that's what we have today. In 2005, when they signed openly for the first time the first part of the amalgamation of the Americas, Canada, U.S. and Mexico and Waco, Texas. Um, the Council on Foreign Relations came out openly on national television in Canada as the Council on Foreign Relations for the first time, and and they said that they had drafted up the whole charter for amalgamation and presented it to the prime ministers and presidents for signing. So they boasted about it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No one elects these guys. Remember, these are non-governmental organizations. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Yeah, and you know, it, it, we don't. I, I, I've totally lost faith in our election system here because of all the rigging that goes on. I mean, I'll still vote, but uh, I don't even know if it'll even count anymore um, because of. And, and what a lot of the mainstream 
American, you know, population doesn't understand. You know, they hear this stuff and they're like, well, what does this have to do with America? Well, they don't understand that a lot of these concepts, a lot of these, you know, this way of life has bled into this country. I mean, we came from England and then we, you know, we started up the slavery system here by, you know, importing slaves from Africa. And, and it's the same type of stuff that's been going on in, in, you know, countries throughout the world and people totally underestimate that. Yes, I do. They don't realize that, that uh, I mean, even the founding fathers said that they basically adopted the British system for law, etc. And uh, I think there's a lot more to it, to be honest with you, uh, especially when you see how many presidents of the U.S. were actually related to royalty. Right. That's, that's rather surprising. Yeah. It's it's disturbing at the same time. Now, uh, moving on to uh, uh, 9-11, which is a huge heated issue uh Nowadays, especially in the alternative media circuit, um, I cover it a lot on this program. I haven't much lately, but um, I'm starting to get more into this, uh, you know, New World Order stuff and, you know, what the grand plan is. But 9-11 is no less a, a very important event. It's obvious that either the government allowed it to happen or they made it to happen. I believe in the latter. Um, what is your take on 9-11 and who, in your opinion, pulled it off? Well, it doesn't really matter who they got to pull it off. What, what it does matter is that it was an imperative. It had to happen because they wrote about it in the 1990s as being a necessity, something on the scale of a Pearl Harbor attack right. in order to go into Afghanistan and Iraq uh, and, and get the public support behind them. Uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski also wrote about it in the Grand Chessboard that he wrote the book. Uh, but you also find it in New American Century Policy, the first yeah. one they drafted up in 92 and published it. And then they revamped it under Wolfowitz in 98, republished it again. And they said they had to go into Iraq and, and uh, first of all, Afghanistan, then Iraq, then Iran and Syria. Uh, so this had to happen. It was very obvious it had to happen. What's also interesting is that uh, Margaret Thatcher, when she was doing her world tour, it came to Canada to Massey Hall in the 1990s, with 92 or so. And the title of her speech, this world uh, tour speech she was giving, was The New World Order. Mm-hmm. And in there she said that uh, because the Cold War was now uh, over, um, their, main, their main problem now would be fundamental religionists of the world, and they'd have to move in, especially to the Middle East, and take care of that problem. Because right. that's all they foresaw at the time, was nothing but, but terror, they claimed. Uh, so they had this plan on the go a long, long before 9-11 actually happened. And they had troops around Afghanistan ready to move in before 9-11 happened, too. That's all you need to really know. Well, see, and, and you know, the, based on the research that I have done, um, I've come to the conclusion that we're in Afghanistan uh, for the pretty much the sole purpose of two things. One, to guard the uh, opiate fields there, and number two... Uh, to build that natural gas pipeline in the Caspian Sea. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it, in my, you know, my opinion, and you share this as well, is that it's, it's about a total systematic takeover of the Middle East. I mean, Iraq ha- obviously had nothing to do with 9-11, yet the government continues to say that it does. They keep actually flip-flopping. Um, you know, in a, in a speech that Bush gave last year, he said that Iraq didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. Now, Cheney starts saying that it, do- that they did, and then Bush follows right along. And I'll get more into Bush here in, in, in just a just a little bit, but um, it's uh, it's almost like you know Cheney is controlling what Bush is saying, controlling his his thoughts, so to speak, if you want to put it that way. 
And, um, you know, this they don't have any direct ties. There's no evidence that Iraq was tied to 9-11. But they keep painting it as that issue in order to justify us being there. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you know, and, and it's, you know, Bush, from the very beginning, when the Iraq war started, you know, he's painted several scenarios and flip-flopped as to why we're there. You know, first it started out as, you know, Saddam was a tyrannical dictator who was murdering people, which he was. I'm not saying he wasn't, but, but you know, he had to be taken out. And then w- once he was taken out, people were like, okay, why are we still there? And then it, it turned into, um, well, we're there to liberate the country so that they can vote and be free and be democratic. And it, it just it keeps on shifting. He keeps shifting his agenda as, as to being there, and then all of a sudden it turns into well, Iraq was connected connected to nine eleven. That's why we're there. Why does he keep doing this? Well, it's um, it's an old strategy. Uh, the more confusion they can actually put out into the general public, uh, the more confused the public become. When the public become confused, they switch off and allow things to happen. Uh, this is a standard old Tavistock technique because Britain right. used it before in previous wars too. So right. uh, it, was, it, was, it was actually on national television here in Canada too, the whole, the whole inquiry into attacking Iraq. And I have it on tape where, where Bush said, he said, no, I, I never said that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9-11. He said he was right. a bad man and, and the, the world's a better place without him. That's what he said. Exactly. And, you know, once the public, uh, you know, they're, they're constantly, uh, you know, just pounded with with all kinds of flip-flopping and and confusion like you stated then they feel like they're backed into a corner and they just say you know what screw it i'm just going to believe it i'm just why not just believe it because you know it it saves them a lot of trouble than rather than digging into the actual evidence to to prove the whole whole idea this is this is the thing with war and when you study as i say the vast history of england and napoleon turns out to be right when he says perfidious england um you find that it doesn't matter what they say is the cause of the start of the war. Once they've got your troops abroad, it doesn't matter which party they put in, they'll always turn around and say, well, we have to keep them there now or there'll be chaos. So it really is irrelevant to them as long as they get in in the first place. That's all that matters. Exactly. And, you know, back last year, and I was talking about this last night, um, uh, you know, last year in the elections when the Democrats were elected, you know, people were saying, well, this is great because now we have a total shift in policy. The Democrats are going to come in here and save the day. They're going to get the uh, the economy back on track. We're going to pull <laughs> the troops out of Iraq. Uh, we're going to see a total shift here because now we have a bunch of Democrats in. And it's all right. I mean, there's a 14% approval rating on the Democrats right now. I, it's probably even lower. That's just the last number I heard. And so it becomes... Uh, it's obvious now, and you see Cindy Sheehan pulling out of the uh, anti-war Democrat movement because she realizes now, as most of us should by now, that there's no difference in the Democrats and Republicans. It's just a fo- false uh, paradigm that's put there in order to systematically control how people feel about issues. Well, Professor Carl Quigley couldn't have said it any plainer, remembering that he was the, the actual historian for the Council on Foreign Relations. He in, had access to their records and uh, he updated their records and their histories, for, and he was all for them. He was part of them. And he wrote in his book, Tragedy and Hope, in the 1960s, that there had been, and there had been for 50 to 60 years already, a parallel government that actually made all the decisions. And he said every president and, and uh, all the, the vice presidents and the top men is, had been professionally picked by this particular group that were not elected, 
they picked the guys, trained them, and they said the only competition that was allowed amongst politicians was for the ones at the bottom. You know, the millionaires on that side or the millionaires on the other side. It didn't matter. They were allowed to do little competitions between themselves for fame and glory and to get their hands into the public cookie jar. But, but the ones at the top were already picked and passed and approved by the Council on Foreign Relations. I mean, how scary is that? I mean, that, that we face that now. Um, that you, you know, I want I want to vote for Ron Paul. Um, I I'm going to tackle that issue here later. But uh, it's like I I know he doesn't have much shot because of the status of uh, you know Giuliani and Romney, and on the Democrats you've got Hillary and Obama, who I think are just total globalists. Um, so I don't think Ron Paul has much of a chance. It seems more and more every day though that he's gaining some ground. I mean, the mainstream media is censoring him on a daily basis. I've, uh, this MSNBC article is just now hitting here that's saying that they're deleting Ron Paul votes off their, their poll on their website. I mean, they're doing everything they can to take him out. What bothers, and my point of, of this is I'm, I'm saying that, you know, I want to vote for Ron Paul, but I don't know if I have any confidence. I don't even know if my vote will count. Um, I don't know how many people's votes will count anyway. I mean, do you think that the election is already determined, like right now as we speak? I'm sure it was determined 20 years ago. Could be in today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that you know that, that goes back to there's no difference in Democrats and Republicans. I mean, it's obvious. Even if they put in uh, a Democrat in the, after the next election, um, you know, if it's Hillary or Obama, I mean, Obama has already publicly said that he wants to bomb Pakistan, um, and and Hillary. You know, last week took a donation of like twenty to forty thousand dollars. I heard both numbers from News Corp, uh, who's owned by Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News and all the mainstream pundits. And uh, so there's no difference. I mean, they're, they're, you know, Fox totally backs Hillary Clinton. She claims that they don't. She, you know, she attacks the Republicans. She attacks the neocons. But there's no difference in her and them. No, the, the whole thing of politics has been a sham for a long, long time. It's a punch and judy show. It's 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 a it's a wrestling match for the public, mm-hmm. and they always tell you who to vote for because one of them's going to tell you is going to cut uh, uh, welfare and so on, and the other one isn't. So they tell you who to vote for, and the, and the bulk do. So, and even then, uh, you have all the vote fraud. So, what does it matter? Exactly, and you know these Democrats who come in there and they want, I mean, they want government program after government program. They want to tax the living hell out of the citizens. They want the government to take over health care. They want the government to take over uh, just about everything. They want, I mean, it's a total shred of our Constitution. Uh, you know, they want to, they're, they're totally for uh, these, these uh, you know, granting amnesty to illegals and things like that and turning the country into a, uh, you know, the North American Union combined with Canada and Mexico. So, I mean, there's obviously, there's, there's no difference at all. And, uh, that's the problem nowadays is that Americans are getting so hung up in this false paradigm. And, you know, I want to tackle this issue with you as well as the mainstream media. Uh, the mainstream media, you know, you hear the mainstream talk shows, the cable shows, and all they do, I mean, they're obviously conservative based. Uh, they're neocon based, in my opinion. And what they do is they, they sit here and they say, well, everything that's going wrong, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but everything that's gone wrong in this country is all the Democrats' fault. It's all the liberals' fault. And they just continue to push this false left-right Democrat-Republican paradigm in order to, I think it's just to distract people. I mean, would you agree? It's not just to distract them. It's to, it's to get them back into an emotional uh, way of thinking. These are emotive things. It's nothing to do with reality. 
and, and, and it's to make a form of emotional reality for them that there really is a debate going on, there really are differences. And uh, it was, um, you'll find even the founding fathers, like Thomas, and Thomas Jefferson said it, he said, when you see a particular agenda uh, going ahead un, uh, unaltered and straightforward ahead, even when the house changes between different parties and the same agenda moves forward, it says, you know you're under tyranny. And you've been exactly. like that since World War Two, when, right. when they signed the NATO Charter, which became the United Nations Charter, because you have been under uh, another government since, uh, since then. Yeah. Exactly, and you know Mussolini once said that if the you know once the uh, corporations uh, start working in cahoots with the government, then you have total fascism, and we've had that for years. It's yes, just people are right. now just starting to wake up to it. And uh, But when we get back from the break, we got to go to a break here in just a minute. I want to get into uh, Freemasons with you, as well as Nazis and the CIA, uh, and, and just this grand puppet scheme that's going on with our current administration, whether or not you think that an impeachment would accomplish much and, and other topics. But, um, yeah, I mean, the mainstream media is definitely blinding the mainstream public, the majority of the public in this country, uh, from what's really going on. And uh, we're going to get more into that as well. Folks, stay tuned. Uh, joining me tonight is Alan Watt from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. This is Revolution Radio right here on the TruthNet Radio Network. The second hour of the program. Thank you all for joining me here tonight. My website is realinsidenews.com. My email address, if you'd like to contact me with questions, comments, criticisms, uh, you know, guest ideas, advertisement ideas, whatever, uh, just uh, email me at contact at realinsidenews.com, or you can click the contact link on my website. It'll also take you to the contact email address. Uh, joining me tonight is Alan Watt from cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Just uh, one of the most amazing researchers I've ever come across. He knows that pretty much the game uh, as it's going right now, and uh, he joins us here tonight to talk about a wide range of issues. Um, now, Alan, uh, back to, uh, you know, and, and before the break we were talking about mainstream influence, and it just seems like they're, you know, the mainstream media is systematically uh, brainwashing people. I mean, to put it lightly, um, uh, I know a lot of people will look at me and say, man, you're nuts, you know, I mean, brainwashing through a TV. But it's the, it's the truth. I mean, people will literally watch, you know, Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC at all these commentary-based shows and think that they're really getting the news. I mean, they are confident that they are getting their news. Um, why is there so much, uh, you know, confidence, to, uh, so to speak, in the mainstream media by the general public? It's because they've been weaned on it and raised on it in a psychological uh, sort of mind control technique which has been used on them. Um, if you look at the anchor people, the major ones, they stay there their whole lives. You grow up with them. It's like daddy looking at you at 6 p.m. every night yeah. and staring yep. right at your face and telling you all you need to know. Yep. Uh, and would he lie to you? Now, if you notice, all these big uh, media personnel for, for news end up going over to England and being knighted. Now, why is it so important that big moguls go over to be knighted by the Queen of England? 
it's very, very important to them. Yep. Uh, and you find, of course, it's because England is where this whole system of world domination, a global society uh, based on integration and free trade, uh, with, with certain countries being given favoured uh, uh, trading status, most favoured nation trading status, an idea that was born in the 1500s with, with John Dee and Queen Elizabeth I in her court, uh, this right. is just the culmination of a long-term strategy, which uh, Britain is very famous for. Uh, they used to start making cathedrals, and it takes seven generations of stone masons, masons to complete them. Uh, that's how they run the affairs of the world as well. Uh, you have countless bureaucrats working on agendas, uh, and they'll never see the culmination of it in their lifetime, but they're quite happy to do their part towards it. All you're seeing is the end of one big part of a business plan, uh, taking place when General Allenby and uh, and the others went into the Middle East in World War One and Kitchener, uh, they talked about this long-term strategy for the Middle East uh, and how they would divide up the old Ottoman Empire that was run by Turkey, and and then how Britain would eventually run Palestine for a short while and and then hand it over uh, to to a new state of Israel, and they did that with the Balfour Declaration. Um, the Balfour Declaration included much more than just a state for Israel or a home for, for, for Israel. It also included a whole uh, long-term plan laid down for the Middle East. And those countries like Iraq and Iran and the countries we hear about today were, were drawn up with lines in the sand by, by British generals after World War I. Um, Winston Churchill, uh, in his own memoirs, said we shall eventually have to go to war with Iraq because of the vast amounts of oil in its northern parts. Yes, and uh, it's a big uh, chunk of the, like I said earlier, the systematic control of the Middle East. It's just, uh, it, in, in, uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a small part of the uh, control mechanism that the, that not only the military, and this is just based on my research, that, that not only the military and the government here wants to implement, but the bankers as well. Um, moving on a little bit into the... Uh, uh, topic of Freemasons. Um, they're an interesting group of individuals, to say the least. Uh, many portray them as a threat uh, to our society. Aside from their bizarre, bizarre rituals, what, in your opinion, makes them such a threat to our society? Uh, people who go under the guise of blood oaths and secrecy uh, to protect their charity work have something else to hide. Right. You, you see, you don't need to do that. These are grown men, remember, not little children. Right. And and certainly enough, at the bottom, uh, the tenets of Freemasonry are really, really good if you if they were following the bottom levels. But what it is really, it's a sifting ground for those who have power over the public, either through media, even local newspapers, or small radio stations in your local area. Um, anyone who can influence public opinion is pulled out of the lodge and put into a side degree and pushed up the ladder quickly. And so it's a sifting ground to see who they can actually use. And, and it also creates a, a, a network of men and women who are sworn to obey any order, regardless of its contents or consequences, and, and they must keep their own personal moral judgments to the side. They must instantly obey. Well, something like that is a threat to a free society. Right, and, you know, they've, they've become, a, a you know, just lore over the years, uh, through through you know centuries um, as being very notorious, but um, 
I mean, what do these guys talk about when they meet up for their meetings? I mean, did they discuss world policy? Did they talk about, you know, the mistress they just uh, made love to the night, you know, the last week? Or I mean, what do they talk about in these in these meetings when they get together? Well, they'll talk about all of those things, but they'll talk about the mistresses as long as they're not a mason's wife. They can they can do that with anybody else's wife. You see, that's quite allowable. They have their own laws and rules, and as long as they don't break the Masonic rules, then they're willing to lie for each other in court. Uh, it's also a great uh, way for for judges and uh, and lawyers to know who to to accuse or, or or make guilty and who to let go free. If you're a higher mason, you'll you'll generally walk free because they're sworn to cover each other up and lie for each other when necessary. Right, so, and you know, uh, really, uh, one thing that really bothers me about it about the whole Freemasonry, and then this goes over to you know Bohemian Grove as well, and I'm sure you're aware much aware of that, um, and you know the. Um, uh, Bilderberg Group and other things, you know, these secret societies, is that these bizarre rituals and these bizarre things that they that they practice. I mean, most of these guys, like George W. Bush, you know, they claim to be Christians, and I'm not personally a Christian, but but all of these bizarre things that they do are so totally anti-Christian. Um, I, I mean, what what is that? I mean, so why well, would he, Bush he didn't, he didn't actually say he was a Christian? What he said was, if you're asking if I was born again, his exact words were, yes, I have been. Now, okay. Most, okay. I mean, every mason is born again when they're raised from either the coffin at Yale or raised right. off the, the marker on the floor of the skull and bones flag. So I guess I bought, I, I, you know what, I mean, to be honest, now that you told me that, I guess I bought into the, uh, you know, when he said that, I just automatically assumed he was a Christian, which is a lot of people did. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, but I mean, the the, the rituals are so an, uh, basically anti-established religion. Like, I mean, they do weird, just all kinds of bizarre rituals. Uh, like Bohemian Grove, they do mock sacrifices of human beings. They worship a huge statue owl named Moloch. And I mean, w- what is the purpose of this? And partly, as 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 a form of worshiping themselves as being illumined, meaning uh, intelligent and seeing the world as it really is. They're seeing their world as it really is, since they are the helpers of, of those who rule it. Um, the rest of the public are called the profane, those who are still stuck in what they call the, 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 um, the mysteries of religion, or, 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 or even the mythologies of religion, as they say it themselves, or superstitions is another way they'll couch it. They, are, they believe they're above superstitions, they're the most advanced ones on the planet, but they also believe that they are also a form of shepherd that's the feed off of the flock. The profane are the flock. Their only purpose is to get fed off of, and that's the purpose of the general public. Uh, exactly. Skull and Bones, for instance, uh, was, was established at Yale University, and in Yale, Elihu Yale was a, a founding member of the British East India Company. He said when he put the money forward to, to, for the university, he says this will give America all of its future leaders so that we'll, we shall always be in control of the future. And, and they have been. Um, uh, the, 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 even the skull and bones, they have a war room in there. Now, all the higher orders, as opposed to the low orders, they have war rooms. And their war is a constant war on what they call the ignorance of the profane. And their war is on the profane. They believe they're here to shape the world. And, and it's really behind it all as a eugenics program. Right. Because, you see, the higher masons, are they have their wives introduced to them. They don't pick their own wives in the higher orders, the noble orders. 
It's pre-arrangement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pre-arrangement. So right? Yeah, and when you go through their books, such as the Rosicrucians, the higher Rosicrucians, not the ones you send off for pamphlets and stuff, but the real ones in Pennsylvania, um, you, you'll find that um, they talk about uh, the daughters are trained. They, they, the, the Grand Master will actually train everyone else's daughter how to be a good Masonic wife that will that'll do all the right things at functions and parties and how to hold on to her husband's arm and, and uh, be very polite. That's how they train the women. And, uh, and then they, they actually introduce her to her future husband eventually, who will also be a third-generation Freemason. Uh, that's third-generation meaning that, that three generations where their wives have been picked for them. Exactly, and you know when I when I brought up Freemasons and the bizarre rituals, I actually I was leaning towards the skull and bones. I mean, just absolutely bizarre society. Um, now, based on moving on a little bit here, based on the research that I've done, uh, it seems the CIA has borrowed many of their torture methods, and, and you know it's been acknowledged they do torture. They run secret prisons. I mean, Bush openly admitted this. Uh, it seems that many of these torture methods were borrowed from the Nazis. I mean, how how true is this, and what's your take on it? And there's no doubt the torture is nothing new. Uh, again, that was a pastime of nobility in, in, in days gone by. When they were bored, they would go down to the dungeons and, and watch the peasants being tortured. They'd then kick the peasants out into the into the street, and the sight of them, all grotesque and burned and, and broken, would terrify the public into being very obedient. That was always the, the, the technique of torture, the purpose of torture. And when they allow torture to be known by the general public, to be known that it's going on at such an amazing um, speed and a volume is to terrify the general populations. That's why they tell us what they're actually doing. It's meant right. to terrify us all into submission, or it might be you one day. Uh, that's the whole point of it today. But the Soviet Union, of course, the KGB, also had whole buildings, just like the Nazis, uh, using the same techniques of torture and manipulation. There's nothing new in it at all. Right, and you know the um, the CIA has openly admitted. I watched a uh, History Channel documentary about this a few months back that they were actually hiring ex Nazis to be agents in the CIA. Oh yes, I mean they did that even at the end of World War II um, when they formed uh, East and West Germany, and they brought the, the old Nazis, the old intelligence services, uh, right into the new. Uh, groups for the western part of, of uh, Germany working for the Americans and uh, you'd see that what you'll find in this, in this system is they never throw knowledge away of anything exactly uh, because knowledge exactly. is power to them and these okay. techniques are very very important yeah. now uh, going back to President Bush and, and the whole administration we have now in the grand scheme of things uh, how much of a significant threat is President Bush and I mean, my personal belief, I think he's just a puppet and a middleman of all of this. But what, what is your take on him? Well, you're right. He, he is a front man. Yeah, he's doing his daddy's business, uh, as they would see himself. I'm doing my father's work. Um, right. but his just, grandfather as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you find even uh, Papa Bo- Poppy Bush. They call him Poppy because it was well known that the Bushes had always been involved in, in the heroin trade. And, and, and in fact, all those guys at Yale including John Kerry, uh, all those characters made the fortunes of the opium wars in China. Uh, every single person that's in there today, their ancestors made uh, lots of money when they were dropping off bales of opium into China. It's the right. same hereditary families 
but yeah, Bush is only a front man for much bigger powers, and he's definitely got all the, the psychopathic traits necessary to pull at least go ahead with this. Um, but so does Cheney and the rest of them. Number two is always more important in higher orders than the number one. It's right. the advisor who knows the bigger picture. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Prescott Bush, <clears throat> excuse me, is notorious. I mean, he's notoriously known as the, um, as the guy who was running that bank and was channeling money to Adolf Hitler. The government found out about it and shut it down. So we know that Bush has a history in his family of supporting the Nazis and Hitler. Not just Bush, but even the man who hands out global citizenship awards, Mr. Rockefeller. Uh, yeah. He also was a big funder of of the, the, the Nazi system under I.G. Farben. I.G. Farben was an umbrella group, and Ford and Carnegie and, and uh, Rockefeller and the Rothschilds in Britain all funded the, the, the Nazi war machine. Uh, the chemical industry and the gasoline and and they had factories over there GM and Ford had factories all during World War II mm -hmm. and I don't know if the people realize it but the American public under an international court order after they, they went through a, a court debate in the 1980s decided that the US citizens would have to reimburse uh, GM and Ford for, dis for partial destruction of their plants in Germany in World War II Exactly. And, you know, one common thread in all of these guys throughout history is that they just don't give a damn about us as people. They don't give a damn about citizens. Uh, they only care about those with money and those that can, you know, sit with them at the royal throne. And not just anybody with money. I mean, you know, the common CEO that owns his own, you know, uh, website business that's making a couple of mil a year. They don't care about them either. They care about the guys who have the billions of dollars and who can, who, who really make their marks on the world with their money. And uh, that's what people need to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, going back to the media, uh, it was, it was, um, Brzezinski who said in his book, Between Two Ages, mm -hmm. he says, shortly the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They'll be yep. conditioned to let the media do all the reasoning and thinking for them. And the only things, only topics of conversation they will have shortly is what's been fed into them or downloaded into them on the previous night's news. Well, see, that's happened. Right. That's happened, yeah. Exactly. So if, if you tell them something or, or even show them the evidence of information, if it's not on the news, uh, then they, they can't comprehend what you're telling them. Exactly. Do you think, uh, Alan, that a uh, that an impeachment of Bush and Cheney would actually accomplish much? No. Yeah. <laughs> not, not at all. No, we've seen all these farcical impeachments in the past, and it's just a show and tell for the public. If you notice Bill Clinton and all that fiasco when they're trying to make him out to be uh, a man, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, gave us a drama basically uh, with Lewinsky um, to keep the public control because they loved sex and all the rest of it, sex and violence especially. Um, who were the first group that he had to answer to? It was the Council on Foreign Relations, exactly. the General Assembly, not to right. the American people. And no one asked that question. What, how come? Right. How yeah, come? I think. Yeah, I mean, Bush. Or, not Bush. Uh, Clinton was involved in so many things, and and then they impeach him because he received oral sex and lied about it in the Oval Office. And I, you know, he. Um, I mean, there's strong evidence to support that he had a hand in Oklahoma City because of the, um, you know, they release. Uh, he ordered the release of Middle Eastern men. Uh, there was this John Doe number two that they never found, and he just never, 
It didn't seem like he gave a damn about it. Uh, you know, people seem to forget that he dropped bombs on Kosovo. He destroyed that that uh, aspirin factory, thinking that you know he had all this supposed intel that it was a chemical plant, you know, making chemical weapons, and it turned out to be an aspirin factory. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, he was he was persecuted and 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 crucified and all this, and and, and eventually impeached for an act of infidelity, yet he committed pretty much almost the same type of crimes that Bush has committed. Yes, all through his reign, I'll call it a reign, because that's all they have, they're given a reign for a little while. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he had the American fleets uh, putting cruise missile after cruise missile over into Iraq, into yeah. all different areas of Iraq. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And uh, and that was all done fairly quietly. You know, nobody cared at the time either. As I say, it's the same agenda regardless of who seems to be in power. Exactly. And it just yeah. shows that the uh, the paradigm is just totally false. And it's there to, like you said, to control and to distract. So, uh, I mean, with the impeachment, I think it would be nice to have an impeachment of Bush and Cheney because uh, it would it would at least hold them up to some kind of accountability. But at the same time, like you said, it's not going to solve anything because... Um, you know, you're just going to have, I mean, if these, if those two were to be impeached, who would take over? Nancy Pelosi. And we know she's a globalist. So it, it, and then 2008 comes and, you know, chances are Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama are going to be elected as president. So, and we all know what they're all about. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, I agree with you. I don't think it would accomplish much about the only positive that would come out of it would be accountability. Here's the thing, too. I really realize something here. This is a very, very old plan for world domination. And it's not just to do with the Middle East. It's a domination of everybody on the planet. Right. I mean, even, even little Finland had to sign that anti-terrorism bill and put in the same laws and, and they're getting their ID cards as everyone else's. This is a global agenda. And Carl Quigley is quite right when he said that the purpose of war is to change cultures because bureaucracies flourish and grow and take over power and take the rights from the people during wartime. So, so that's really the, the purpose of all of this. It isn't just about the, these characters that you see now around Bush. It, it doesn't matter who they put in. The axe is coming down by, by the executioner, and these guys have gone too far to pull it back. They'll have to understand mm-hmm. we're at a very dangerous time. Exactly. Uh, they're already starting the killing. They've already started martial law worldwide. Right. They can't back out now because, <laughs> because they get hunted by the people if it's all exposed what they've been up to. They've got to go the whole way, and that does not bode well for, for the populations of the world at all. No, not at all. Not in the least bit. Uh, it just spells nothing but chaos and destruction. Um, folks, if you're just joining us, this is Revolution Radio. My guest tonight is Alan Watt of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. If you would, if you have a question or a comment for Mr. Watt, the toll-free number is 1-800-451-1567. That's toll-free, 800-451-1567. And I'll have Mr. Watt on through the uh through the, pretty much the end of the program here, so if you have anything for him, uh, just dial that. It's toll-free, 1-800-451-1567. Um, going back to the big bankers, uh, Rockefeller, Rothschild, you know, J.P. Morgan, etc., what is their, I mean, what is their big grand role in, in all of this? Well, I think H.G. Wells put it um, clearly when he talks about, uh, because H.G. Wells was a propagandist for this global elite uh, that was based in, in London at the time 
uh, he was officially authorized to write his, his fiction and non-fictional works on behalf of them, a form of predictive programming to get the public to actually go along with it, in fact. But H.G. Wells uh, went through in his history of the world in a two-volume set, part one and two, uh, he laid down the eugenics uh, program for the world long before Adolf Hitler had a eugenics list of better species and lesser, lesser species. H.G. Right. Wells had it, and H.G. Wells simply copied it from, from John Stuart Mill, the economist, uh, the previous economist in, in, in England. But it did have all the peoples listed in priority, and he said that the English peoples would eventually dominate the world. He really meant the elite of, of England, the very elite families. And he said, well, we shall have to bring in the top bankers. He says, some of, some of these ones are Jewish, and they've proven that they can accumulate wealth down through the ages and hold on to it, even though they're persecuted. So by the Darwinist theory of evolution, they had shown their superiority, so they would be allowed to come in and work with them. Now, for the lesser ones who didn't make up, to, even within those particular peoples, they would be eliminated along with everybody else. It's an exactly. policy. He even had the Irish marked down for elimination because they right. didn't go along and join Britain. Yeah, and this eugenics policy, I mean, part of it, you know, states it, it's they, they, they're they pushing for this uh, one-child policy type thing that they were, you know, they have in China. I guess it's now up to like a two-child policy. I may have that wrong, but... It's one but child. The, one child, child, right. So the, these globalists are trying to push for this this eugenics stuff. I mean, how scared should we be of that? Very scared, very, very scared indeed, because you see, they're not just pushing for it, they've been doing it. If you look right. at the histories of the health of the world's populations, if you look at the histories of the man who gave you the polio vaccine, Dr. Sock, with all of his cancer viruses contained in the shots, and, and he admitted, I've got the, the tape here, he, where he admitted that he knew that these viruses would cause cancers and ill health in the people, but he thought that, that uh, uh, it was counterbalanced by eliminating the threat of polio, so he said. Look mm -hmm. at the man's history. He was one of the top men for the eugenic societies of the U.S. and Britain. He believed in vast population reductions, and suddenly he comes out as the hero of the people. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, we're coming up on the uh, bottom of the hour break, uh, Mr. Watts, so uh, there's few more things I want to go over with you. I wish I could have you on five hours because you know so much. I just, uh, just absolutely fascinating uh, interview tonight because I'm learning a lot and uh, I really appreciate it. But uh, I want to go over, you know, I want to touch a little bit on global warming, uh, chemtrails, and, uh, you know, some more global domination issues. Folks, uh, stay with us. This is Revolution Radio right here on the TruthNet Radio Network. My guest tonight is Alan Watt of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned.
In these cases, it has been necessary to move these individuals to an environment where they can be held secretly, questioned by experts, and when appropriate, prosecuted for terrorist acts. Some of these individuals are taken to the United States Naval Base at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. It's important for Americans and others across the world to understand the kind of people held at Guantanamo. These aren't common criminals or bystanders accidentally swept up on the battlefield. We have in place a rigorous process to ensure those held at Guantanamo Bay belong at Guantanamo. Back here on Revolution Radio, we're live right here on the TruthNet Radio Network. I'm your host, Mike Swenson, going into the last half hour of the program. That, of course, is President Bush back in 2006 acknowledging that the CIA is running secret prisons, uh, especially down in Guantanamo Bay. And there have been other speeches where he said that he's been running them across the, uh, you know, in, in various countries throughout the world. Um, back with my guest, Alan Watt of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. I'm uh, just learning a whole bunch of stuff tonight. I've got so many more questions to ask. I'm going to try to cram them in here in the last half hour. Um, if you would like to call in, if you have a question or comment for Mr. Watt, feel free. The toll-free number is 1-800-451-1567. That's toll-free, 800-451-1567. If uh, you'd like to call in, jam it in now. Um, now, Alan... Um, in my experience as a, a researcher, you know, independent journalist and talk show host, I've, I've heard people say, well, maybe a one-world government, one religion, one bank, et cetera, would be a good thing. Uh, what would you say to those who think that globalization, new world order, uh, et cetera, would be a good thing? Well, people who want it probably will be happy when they don't have to think at all because this, this whole new world order is to eventually... Uh, contain everyone on the planet uh, and make them unable to think for themselves as individuals. They'll take the pain away of being an individual for those that find it very burdensome. And uh, the brain chip has been discussed at uh, world-class meetings of scientists, uh, which the U.S. funded, in fact, these global meetings at Loyola University uh, to do with the chipping of the brains. They say it's all ready to go. All I have to do now is convince the public of the necessity to take it. And once that happens, there'll be no more you or me. There'll just be us. you see a new U.S. us. And uh, uh, so, yeah, for those who find uh, the burden of thinking for themselves too much, they'll all be one in this, this mm-hmm. wonderful robotic uh, Borg-type society. Exactly. And, you know, I've always answered that with, well, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if you weren't having a bunch of tyrants and, and just sociopaths trying to organize a one-world religion, one-world government, bank, and all that stuff, and globalization, I guess you could characterize that as. Um, the problem is we have evil sociopaths trying to put this thing together, and that's, that's, the, that's the, uh, the fear factor in all of this. It, it really is. You see, in this system, if you notice, the ones who get to the top... Uh, really get there by all, any and all means possible uh, by uh, clawing their way over other people to get up to, up to the top, and that's called success in this system. Right. It's yep. purpose made for the psychopath to get to the top, and that's why you've had uh, thousands of years in a moneyed system of the same types getting up to the top and, and maintaining power and having wars and slaughtering uh, all over the place. 
it hasn't changed and it won't change until a different system comes in and the only thing is we have we've never been given a chance to think about any other system that could possibly exist the one we're born into what we're trained to believe is the only one that is natural simply because it does exist and even Lenin who worked for the big bankers who was trained by the bankers to set off the, the, the Hegelian dialectic of capitalism versus communism knowing all the time they'd eventually merge the two together um, Lenin himself said that the public must never realize that there are many, many paths society could go down. They must be taught to believe that the one they're in is the natural one. And, and exactly. that happened. Yeah. And one thing that blows my mind, and I did an, an, almost an entire program on this last uh, Friday, I believe it was, um, is, you know, we all know that the China, that the Chinese way of running government is so corrupt and it's just so evil in so many ways. I mean, they want, they're the primary drivers of this eugenic stuff. And yet, you have Rupert Murdoch, who is the, you know, he basically runs the mainstream media. He owns, you know, tons of news channels, newspapers. He just bought the Wall Street Journal last week and, uh, and the radio stations and all that. This guy is in total support of Chinese-style government. Yeah. yeah. The United, the United Nations has stated openly that China is the model state for the world to copy. And they train them very well there in China uh, as a mass man. The Chinese have never had much individuality in their history. Uh, they've been a mass-type people and kept that way purposely. In fact, I suspect they've been kept that way for a long time for, for today for this particular time in history that's why the invaders stayed out of it and that's why Napoleon even left it alone he said let the sleeping um, dragon lie and, and so they didn't want to wake them up until now and the West has made China modern China the industrial leader of the world it didn't happen right. overnight by chance it happened because it was planned long ago and I've got books from the 1930s where the, the CFR and the, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs discussed this at their global meetings but China has perfected the art of, of, of getting the public to obey at one time they used to have to drag women in if she was pregnant with her second child and, yeah. and they, they sent the militia to, to take her in or the police they don't have to do it now because the neighbours have been trained to do it it's called social approval and social disapproval. They can create one or the other. We see it here in a milder form with the anti-smoking laws that demonize smokers. And uh, you'll see people um, uh, react in a Pavlovian way uh, when they see a, a smoker light a cigarette. They'll start coughing when they're 20 yards away. It's exactly. Pavlovian effect you see social disapproval well China uses that for abortions and the neighbors uh, will, will go and grab a woman and, and drag her to the clinic and tell her she's being anti-social by having a second child that will take the food from another yeah and this guy that, that owns the mainstream media embraces that type of society just totally disturbs me but uh, moving on uh, the issue of global warming uh, most say that climate change is caused mostly by CO2 emissions um, but do you think this is possibly a cover story uh, to conceal the fact that the government is involved with weather and climate modification. I had uh, Dr. Nick Begich on last night, and he is he's an expert in this heart program up in uh, Alaska. And it's obvious that they are dealing in, in weather modification. But do you think that the this global warming, you know, saying that it's CO2, all these people jumping on the Al Gore bandwagon, um, do you think that that's a cover story not only to push a global uh, uh, carbon tax, but to also 
cover for the fact that the government is actually messing with our climate. It's all of that and more. Um, they had global meetings again at these top think tanks, the ones who plan our future. It's like a pyramid when you have a top think tank like the Club of Rome, right. uh, which which looks towards the future and how to manipulate the people into giving up their rights. It then comes up with an idea, puts it out to the lesser think tanks who then make it work and put it into action, and they market to you through media and propaganda and magazines and, and shows on television. Well, the, the Club of Rome uh, in the 1970s put a book out, uh, and it's called The First Revolution, and it was written by the founders, the actual founders of the Club of Rome. Right. And they said our job was to look around to find a way to unify everyone on the planet. They were talking about a global government. And they, they, they talked about the space alien threat. Could they make the people believe that? Could they make them believe oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and And then they thought, they thought they hit upon it. Says we, we eventually realized that we could use the weather as a main enemy of the people, an enemy because it would change and, and become wild and erratic. Now, they're talking about using sciences to manipulate the weather. But it says eventually we'll realize that we'll make the people be- believe that man himself is the enemy because he's causing uh, climatic changes. Now, that's admitted to by the very think tank that dreamed it up in their own publication called The First Revolution by the, right. by the Club of Rome. Absolutely. Well, a few years ago in the newspapers, the U.S. Air Force published an article saying, in four years we shall own the weather. Wow. And for now the see, last ten years, we've had nothing but spraying in the sky since the signed, since all the countries in, uh, involved uh, right. signed the Open Skies Treaty, where they allow foreign pilots to fly your military uh, aircraft across your skies, and what they're doing is a sort of Dr. Strangelove policy where they can then um, spray us by using your aircraft and we'll go over there and spray them. This is happening worldwide, this spraying. And, it's, and you can actually see them building storms and creating it. Now, the HARP facilities, um, they didn't build these facilities. There's 54 of them worldwide that we know of. The U.S. has a big one as well in, in Greenland in a U.S. base and another one in Pine Gap in Australia. So... Uh, they can triangulate them and bring them all to focus on, on a whole continent if need be and affect the, 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 the temperature. They can cause the air, the air to superheat and cause explosions. This new phenomena where you'll see parts of the atmosphere exploding at night, a new phenomena, a new type of thunder, they're calling it. They just can't understand why it happens. Well, that's from the Club of Rome. They must convince the public that we uh, are the problem. There's too many of us, and we've got to change our whole way of living, reduce the population, move everyone into these new United Nations habitat areas where we'll all do the work that we're told to do, and there'll be no private property. That's in Agenda 21, signed by the United Nations. You can go into, into their own websites and find it there. The yeah. whole future is mapped out for the, for, the, for the society, step by step by step, and it's one tremendous scientific con game that's going on, uh, propagated by repetition by the media. That's amazing. That's, uh, I mean, it's amazing in the most shocking way, to, to say the least. Um, now, this whole global, do- global domination issue seems so broad, Alan, that it seems like we can do absolutely nothing to stop its progression. But do you think a candidate such as Ron Paul, if he were elected, could help bring these agendas to a halt, at least in this country? 
If no. he were elected? No. No, be- because you've got to understand, this is not... The, the system doesn't play fair. It never has played fair. Right. If, if there was one person who stood up who could do something, he, he'd be killed so darn quickly. Because so much is riding on this agenda. They aren't going to let one man stop it. It's been in the works for over a hundred years, this part here. So is there no hope at all? Uh, the only hope would be for the public. If the public themselves uh, accept, they acquiesce to all the loss of privacy, if they accept uh, the, the black executioner-styled uh, uniforms in the streets with machine guns and searches and all the rest of it, um, right. if they accept all that, it doesn't matter who you put in. Yeah, it's, it's the public that has to... When the people have no will for freedom, then it's over. Right. And, and, and they've been creating, even, they've even put books out on the creation of apathy amongst the populations. These are published books put out by the top institutions like Tavistock uh, to do with mind control on whole populations. The creation of apathy is very important. Apathy sets in when you feel small, powerless, and you're terrified. That's why they have a reign of terror when they introduce massive changes. And that's what you're seeing today. People must want freedom on an individual basis right. and they must want to be an individual the war right now is really between the individuals and the mass man those who have already uh, succumbed and, and that they belong to the mass there are yeah, many people who like and love socialism uh, they, they, they like the idea that there's professional experts above them dealing with all of life's problems for them so that it gives them time to play forever until they die eternal childhood that's what socialism is yeah, so we, it isn't just the ones at the top is the problem you're dealing with with a good portion of the public uh, who who will go along with anything how many people have you talked to who will tell you well I don't care what the government knows about me I have nothing to hide exactly yeah, yeah. You, you, I hate when that the, yeah when they've lost uh, just the, the indignation just natural indignation of invasion of privacy when they don't even have that they're already happy slaves exactly and you know I hear this argument well I don't care if they tap me or chip me and I'm not doing anything wrong why exactly. should I care well you know that's just the first step of total domination of your entire life and your entire future for your kids and grandkids and you know it's going to take a revolution but um more people have to care. More people have to turn off that that damn TV, uh, turn off the the ridiculous you know celebrity news and all that stuff, and and focus on what's really going on. Because if we don't, they're going to pull it the rug right from under us yes. uh, without us even seeing what's coming. Yes, that's what they hope to do, and and we've got to stand up against this fear, this fear mongering, this overreaction, this massive global overreaction. We never even had this in the Cold War, remember. Yeah, uh, uh, in yeah. fact, it was never even as bad as this during World War Two, and suddenly we all have to get ID cards with active chips in them, and 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 every purchase we make is to be monitored. And so, this is totality. So this is stuff that Nero would drool over. He could only imagine in his dreams. Exactly, uh, this kind of stuff that's going on, and yet, so it's it's really a battle for will, for for for, for individualism, that's at stake here. And they've said at the top that their war is on the individual. They want mm-hmm. to eradicate individuality on this planet. And only then, when everyone is perfectly predictable, will they feel safe at the top. Exactly. Well, we've only got about seven minutes left with you. Um, 
with you, Alan. Um, I just have a couple more for you. Um, you know, briefly for you, what is your take on the Federal Reserve and the shady method at which it was brought in? Oh, well, it's widely well, like, uh, documented. Answer. As you say, it was shady, all right. Uh, yeah. And it was a scam from the beginning. But to be honest with you, uh, money itself is a scam because it's a psychopathic system where something is substituted for, for real wealth, which is something you can barter, something you can swap for this or that. Right. Money is the psychopath's dream because whoever runs the money, and I don't care if it's porcupine quills or, 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 or scalps, it doesn't matter, as long as the person who's in charge of it has that power, he runs the system. Right. You know, it, they causes issue- greed. it causes greed. You see, it's built on a fear-based thing, fear of poverty, uh, fear of loneliness, fear of, uh, fear of sickness, ill health, uh, things you can't afford. Uh, it's a fear-based system, uh, the monetary system, and it's, un- it's anti-human. And with money, you can buy armies, you can keep armies together. That was the trick of introducing money and the creation of cities back in the days of Nimrod. Exactly, and, and the government stole away this country's goal back in 1930, and, and replaced it with this, with this fiat paper garbage. And it's you know, it doesn't matter if it's a one dollar bill, a five or a hundred dollar bill; it's still worth about four cents. And it's being so devalued, and each dollar printed, you know, comes with debt attached to it already. So the country's never getting out of debt. It's it's a it's a credit based system. We're all swimming in it every single day from the day we turn 18. Uh, and yeah. even for that, we're swimming in a sea of debt that will never escape. Well, again, Thomas Jefferson said it plainly. He said, when a generation is born into a system where they own, where they owe the debts, they pay off the debt of the previous generation, he said, then that generation are actually slaves. Exactly. And, and that's what we have. We've been born into slavery. Uh, right. We've all been put down for collateral, for, for, for debts that were incurred generations before us. Oh, yeah, but pay your taxes because you're not a good American if you don't, but whatever. Um, taxation is a form of slavery, yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, totally. Um, now, do you, uh, last question for you, do you expect another false flag attack soon or a stock market collapse? These so, guys will stop at nothing. They, they see that the end justifies the means. Whatever it takes, they will do to pull this off. They cannot back out now. We better realize that these characters, uh, it's not just the ones that you see at the moment at the top, that, that this is a whole uh, world of elitists of planned this. Uh, they are not going to back out now. They have to go for the whole show now, or they lose. And they're not prepared to lose, so we're in for one hellish time here on Earth. Yeah, yeah and you know, they're, they're, they're already, you know, I've, I said this since, uh, you know, since 9-11 first happened and they were, they brought in the Patriot Act, they brought in the, uh, the color-coded, uh, you know, terror threat, uh, they were plastering all over the news how the terrorists were after us. You know, I, I always said, and this is before I woke up to the truth about 9-11, this is way before that, um, I always said, you know, the terrorists don't even have to attack us because the media is putting enough fear into, into its people to, and they're basically doing their jobs for them because what's the goal of terrorism? The goal of terrorism is to instill terror into a civilized population. And when the government and the media, uh, you know, mainstream media is obviously controlled by the government, when the media and the government is, is constantly pumping fear and terror into its citizens, uh, they're basically accomplishing the same goals as the terrorists are trying to do, except, I don't know, maybe they're killing less people? I don't know. I mean, it just it well, doesn't what, what, seem what like... What it is, is uh, it's styled after Pavlov, the, the, the great hero of these fanatics. Uh, Pavlov used to shock dogs 
uh, he, he trained them that you, you, you sat here and then he fed them. And then eventually, after the, the dogs liked them and got used to the routine, he would take in this, this electric stick and shock them so the dog would move elsewhere thinking it would be safe. And then he'd pat it for a few days. It would say, okay, I can always move here. Then he'd shock it again. So eventually, after the 10th shocking and the 10th the different spot to eat your dinner, the, the dog didn't know where to sit. It would just stand and shake in terror and fear. And that is what they're doing to the public. They're training them to be terrified. And when you're terrified, you shut down and you do what you're told. Exactly. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, last minute here, um, Alan Watt, uh, any final thoughts that you'd like to share? The people better start working very quickly and communicating with each other whether this life is worth saving, uh, the life that they have, or each other, uh, if even their own lives are worth saving, or, or, or people you even love, and so on. What is love? What is humanity? Is this mm -hmm. a humanitarian system, or is this hell we're going into? And we better stop it before it really takes effect, because if one fraction of all the laws they've passed and have on the books are put into effect, you'll be living in a worse hell than the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany combined ever had. Exactly. Well, Alan Watt, thank you so much for joining us here on the program tonight. I really appreciate you coming on, and you're so filled with knowledge. I, I definitely want to have you on again in the near future. It would be a pleasure to be on. Yeah. Well, th thank you so much, and uh, take care of yourself. Uh, your, your website, one more time, is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, briefly, I mean, you can get all of your uh, your podcasts, and, and you can order you know your books and things like that on there as yeah. well, correct? Okay. Yeah. All right, well, Alan Watt, thanks again, and uh, take care of yourself, and stay you safe, and, and bless you, sir. You too. All right, thank you. So, ladies and gentlemen, wow, I, I tell you, that's uh, it's shocking stuff, but it's necessary stuff, because if we don't wake up to what's going on in this planet, we could lose it. And we're not going to lose it to CO2 emissions. We're going to lose it to tyranny and evil men. And uh, there's just no doubt about it. There's just no doubt about it at all. Folks, thank you all for joining me here this week on Revolution Radio. We are off tomorrow night, but we'll be back next week uh, working on a few guests. Folks, just take care of yourself and each other and get out there and fight, because if we don't fight now, then they're going to take systematic control over everything, and we don't want that for your kids, for your grandkids. Folks, for myself, Mike Chambers, Lee Rogers, and everybody here at the TruthNet Radio Network, thank you so much again. Stay tuned for Midnight Rider with Mike Chambers. Simulcast right here on the TruthNet Radio Network, broadcasting from the Republic Broadcasting Network. My website is realinsidenews.com. Take care of yourselves, folks. I will see you next week. Have a safe weekend. Good night.